Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. I Not, knew you were laughing at Michael Penix. That was yeah, no, it's, it's definitely I know, Penix. I've, I've heard it pronounced no, a couple of different not, ways. It is, it's Wes. Come and on. And you dry your bahuni and you dry like other. <laughs> what is he drying? It's bahuni. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start using that for oh. sure. And Walker. I can think of Joey Bats and Roughnet Odor. We know the punches were thrown there. What did I say? You want to say that first name again, bud? Roughnet is not his it's name. It's Roomned Odor. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you also said Willie Stargle. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Willie Stargle. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. Underneath Lattimore. Biggest heartbreak. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina. Cloudy just says, I'll take care of business right here. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. What a start for the Gamecocks! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Folks, it's not Williams Vice Stadium. But this is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming, man. The food has got the line jumping as always. The 704 number, though, said his best hangover meal is goody powders and a fountain coke. No <laughs> food. I'm with that uh 100%. That's the most practical text we've gotten. I mean, uh, we've had some food, but that one is the most practical. Big Cat Dan has been dropping them left and right. He says chicken and waffles from Metro Diner. And then he also brings up the fact of the KFC Double Down sandwich to which we were talking about during the break. Said it is still crazy to me. Chicken, <laughs> cheese, bacon, and chicken. Fried chicken, that is. LOL, greatest hangover food. Anything on the Waffle House menu. I never had the Double Down. But, uh, yeah, man, that was a wild sandwich, and I did look up the nutrition facts on it, and it is as bad as you think. Anybody that wrote the Double Down as the worst or the craziest fast food invention of all time is correct. Salesman wrote in. He said the Double Down, whatever that sandwich was that was a uh, KFC sandwich where they had the two pieces of fried chicken, then you had inside of it bacon and cheese. Yeah. I mean, that... (laughs) <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like, how in the world can you stomach what is a double down? I mean, they just decided, you know what, forget the bread. It's not even substituting the bread with different bread, like the donut burger. <laughs> you just say, screw it. We're going two pieces of fried chicken. Let's put cheese and bacon in there and serve it up to the people. Yeah, man. I mean, to me, it's a double down on your quest for death. But uh, 704-989 number says KFC's donut chicken sandwich. So KFC... Uh, hitting the line, and then a 704-207 number said, for us Latinos, we eat egg soup to feel better or just keep drinking, and you will never have a hangover. That's the other thing, too, that people say when you get a hangover is keep drinking. That only happens on beach trips for me. Yeah, that's another one where it's like I can't wrap my mind on wanting to drink more. 
I mean, if, uh, if, when but, I'm feeling really bad. Well, speaking of sales, man, if you have one of those diet beers, maybe you get like a bush light or something, and then you've got a little bit of a hangover, but you're at the beach, you still need to keep rolling, especially if you're in your 20s per se, not from experience, just from what I've heard from friends and et cetera, then you might just want to go crack one open and help yourself out that day. All right. So talking about the South Carolina Gamecocks and their offense from last season, four starters return led by quarterback Spencer Rattler. And when you want to look at what they did last season, their scoring offense in the SEC, they averaged 32 points a game. Their rushing offense was 12th in the SEC. Their passing offense was 6th in the SEC. Their pass efficiency rating was also 6th in the, in the SEC. Their third down offense was 10th. Their third down percentage-wise was 10th in the SEC. And in total offense, when you're talking about yards, they were 9th in the SEC. So in comes offensive coordinator Dowell Loggins. He is a first-year coach at South Carolina, spent the past two seasons as the tight ends coach at Arkansas. 16 years in the NFL, he spent with six different organizations, primarily as a quarterback's coach, including seven seasons as an offensive coordinator. And he also walked on at Arkansas, where he became a four-year letter winner. But when you get to the personnel of this, the personnel of this offense, led by Spencer Rattler, as I said, in his second year in Columbia, he threw for more than 3,000 yards, but he had over 1,000 in the final three contests. Then they've got behind him Luke Doty as the backup quarterback. He's the backup with the most game experience. The running back room for the Gamecocks may be the thinnest on the squad. Only four scholarship players came as fall camp opened for them. And junior Juju McDowell is going to lead that group as he had the most regular snaps in the backfield last season. But the receiving core offers a little bit of hope. Wide receiver Antoine Juice Wells Jr. is one of the best receivers, could be the best receiver in the SEC. Had 68 catches, 928 yards a season ago. But the offensive line, that's going to be a point of emphasis for this group because first-year offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley will be challenged to put a front together that lost three players who combined for 120 Four stars. They had some injuries going on, so there are going to be a lot of new faces up front for the Gamecocks in the offense that wasn't very explosive but did get it together at the end of the year. All right, so here we are talking about another offensive coordinator change, going from Satterfield to now Dow Loggins, who has a lot of NFL experience. So this is someone coming in from an entirely different background. It's not like we can go back to what Dow Loggins has, this extensive college football play calling history. He has a lot of extensive history within the NFL. So are you going to run what is kind of an NFL offense here with South Carolina? I know a lot of people are happy that you're moving on from Satterfield. And this is what Loggins talks about, running four vertical. So you got four wide receivers out there. He says a lot of college football teams do that. But South Carolina is going to be doing it. My thing is... Wes, it looks like they're going to be throwing the football quite a bit. And it's going to make for an exciting offense as long as Spencer Rattler can be that dude that he was in the last two games where he beat Tennessee and you also beat Clemson because he was a much better quarterback in those final two games. The confidence has to come along with it. Good news for South Carolina fans. He joined the Zach Gelb show and said, my confidence is at an all-time high. 
Yeah. Know, I'm, I'm confident as ever right now. Um, you know, it comes from our, our coaching staff, what they've been doing with us this offseason, you know, how we're looking as a group. You know, I'm confident in not just me, but, but, but our whole group. You know, I want us to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country. So um, that's going to be our plan moving forward this year. At the end of the year, Spencer, how do you hope we're talking about you and, and the program? You know, um, everything will take care of itself. I like to say, you know, if, if we all succeed as a team, everybody will have their own personal success. So I think that's what's so special about, you know, this program is we care about winning, number one overall, and, and, and turning this program around like we, we've been doing. And if we take care of that, everybody's personal goals will fall in line. Do you think a perception was changed anywhere in the college football landscape more than the perception that changed around Spencer Rattler in the South Carolina offense based off of just two games. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, a lot of people coming out of high school, you talk about pedigree. Another show that you guys haven't watched on Netflix, QB1. Spencer Rattler was a part of that, and you got to see just that he was special coming out of high school. He definitely had some uh, some some personality quirks that kind of got him in a little bit of trouble. But uh, other than that, that this is a kid that coming out of high school was the number one quarterback in his class. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a three-and-done player, going to be a first-round pick, maybe even a number one overall pick. So he came to South Carolina with a little bit of redemption on his mind. And so saying that to say that during the better part of the season, you still didn't see it because this was a guy that was coming in as a Heisman Trophy candidate that year in Oklahoma, lost his job to Caleb Williams, and then he comes over to South Carolina, and a lot of people were still kind of expecting big things. You don't see it yet. You start to worry about what's going on, and then at the end of the season, you really start to see it going into Death Valley, getting a big win, beating the Tennessee Volunteers, but he's going to need to be at his best, and this offensive line, when you talk about all the experience that they lost, they're going to be tested early because they have games against North Carolina, which defensively the Tar Heels We'll see if they offer uh, more opposition than they did last year. You get a break at Furman, but then you got the Bulldogs of Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, all in that first part of the season. And so Spencer Rattler is going to need to be at his best with a thin running back room, with an offensive line that's going to be lacking experience, uh, only four starters returning. So, yeah, this is, it's going to be a challenge uh, for this offense to get on track to start the season. Now, we've talked about OCQB relationships all across the offseason because I think that's the main storyline in the local area. I mean, think about how many differences you have at play calling. So Clemson, South Carolina, NC State, North Carolina. Here we are with monster changes at offensive coordinator. So with the Gamecocks being no different, Dow Loggins took questions on his quarterback. He said that these receivers should be thrilled that Spencer Rattler is throwing them the football. He also said it's not a dictatorship, that it's a partnership between Dow Loggins and Spencer Rattler. Okay, so if that means that Rattler has the ability to check out of some plays, I would not feel nearly as confident in that as I would with Drake May and Chip Lindsey, because here we are still talking about a pretty small sample size, albeit monster games, a pretty small sample size of seeing very good football from Rattler in a Gamecock uniform, where every game except for the last month of the season for North Carolina was very good for Drake. And really, we don't put a lot of that on Drake. A little polarizing, but a lot of it was the offensive line issues. We know in Georgia Tech, it's Josh Downs that drops the touchdown pass, allowing the Yellow Jackets to pull off that upset. And so, yeah, there it seemed like there were a few more excuses going more towards Drake May. So now I wonder, do you feel 
feel comfortable if this is a partnership and Spencer Rattler has a decent amount of say in how the offense rolls, or is there a big old difference between them and Drake May saying, no, I don't feel nearly as comfortable as I do with the May-Lindsey relationship? Yeah, I mean... It's just going to be that, – that's the conundrum a lot of these coaches run into uh, with some of these prospects. And I think with Spencer Rattler, though, when you look at him as a player, I mean, the football IQ, I feel like he's one of those guys that's going to do better in the classroom than necessarily on the field because uh, when you watch him and you see some of the more lifestyle type of content that he's had out there, he comes across as a super sharp quarterback as far as what to do. I remember uh, with his high school team when he was out – um, I think he got he got suspended, but he was coaching his backup man, and you could tell that he really knows the game. So he's a guy that you don't feel terribly uh, about giving a little bit of freedom to. But still, the eighteen to twelve touchdown to interception ratio still tells me that the offensive coordinator still needs to make most of the decisions uh, in this offense. But who knows? Like I said, this is a guy who came to South Carolina to rehabilitate himself, rehabilitate his image, and you're talking about one of the players in the college football that I feel like has the most to gain this season is Spencer Rattler. If he can come out this season and be dominant like a lot of people thought he was going to be going to Oklahoma, this is a guy that could maybe, just maybe play himself not quite up to the lofty uh, perch that he was once on, but could maybe find himself creeping into the first round, second round of the NFL draft. Yeah, well, and, and again, here we are talking about the NFL, that connection between Dow Loggins and the NFL. We do have a little bit of work from Loggins with Arkansas. That was his previous stop. Before that, that's when you're talking about 15 years coaching in the National Football League with Chicago, with Tennessee for a little while. You are talking about some success that he was able to get out of um, a Chris Johnson in Tennessee, even a Kendall Wright, a couple of a thousand thousand yard producers for Tennessee at a time where they didn't have a lot of that in their franchise's history, at least in one year. And so that's a good thing that you can point to. But you ask a tight end that also comes alongside Dow Loggins from Arkansas to the South Carolina squad. He said they do a great job of just spreading the ball around. And so we'll see if that's something um, that South Carolina is able to do. Find the open man. Doesn't matter. You don't have to key in on one specific guy. And you mentioned the offensive line. We'll see how uh, upright they're allowing Spencer Rattler to feel and comfortable how he's uh, how comfortable they're allowing him to feel. Yeah, no doubt. And he's going to have to break in more receivers. So this will really be a triumphant year for him because outside of Wells, who we talked about could be the SEC's best receiver, Amarian Brown, only 188 yards, no touchdowns uh, for him. And so that's going to be your number two or three receiver. So not a lot of experience uh, with these players on the outside for Spencer Rattler, and then they go out and they get an Eddie Lewis from Memphis to come in as well. And this is a guy that they're going to expect to contribute as well after having 41 catches and seven touchdowns in 2022 uh, at the University of Memphis. So he should be able to come in there and give them some help uh, out there on the edges. But when we come back, we're going to have a visit to the mound. We're also going to talk a little bit of Charlotte Hornets and some Panthers as well. So you're going to get a lot in the next segment on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. 
the McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fiddy's been feeling the woo today. Had a lot of songs from Wu-Tang Clan. Fiddy is uh, letting it all out there. We appreciate it. On the ones and the twos. Wanted to remind you, employers and HR professionals, don't miss this chance to fill positions at your company. The Charlotte Job and Recruitment Fair will be September 21st from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Bojangles Coliseum. The Charlotte Job and Recruitment Fair is being promoted to over 650,000 Charlotte listeners each week on all six Radio 1 Charlotte stations, social media, websites, and even the mobile apps. Make sure your business is represented. Call the Charlotte Job and Recruitment Hotline to secure your booth today, 704-548-7888. That's 704-548-7888, presented by Radio 1 Charlotte. Before we get to visit to the mound, I wanted to read some of these other fast food texts that we got because, I mean, how many do you think we got? I mean... We get a ton of them. Did we Any get a hundred? Get that going. Is that crazy to say? I mean, we at least got like fifty or sixty text messages within a couple of minutes. We got to double down. That's what we got. We need to double down on this <laughs> because a lot of people are very interested. Panther Bo, when asked uh, what the best hangover food is of all time, he said, "I wake up from a hangover and immediately hear ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it." <laughs> Panther Bo likes McDonald's. Is that a good hangover food? Yeah, I mean, anytime you get, I guess. McDonald's isn't the greasiest place in the world, but you're talking about burgers, fries, nuggets, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff, man. Good hangover food in my book. Patrick in Huntersville says, uh, Jack in the Box tacos are trash. I get two every time. You're That's right. my favorite text. <laughs> <laughs> are there some places you identify with that, Fitty, where it doesn't matter if it's trash food? You have to get it because that's just what they're known for. It's something cheap that you can go ahead and buy. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, any food menu item at Sonic uh, re- really comes to mind because they've got trash food. Their drinks are so good, though. Wow. W- Wendy's fries used to be that way because like, you had to get something, but mm-hmm. since they changed their fries. I think Wendy's has an underrated fry. Change for the better. Totally with you. Totally agree with that. The opposite of cookout. Speaking of Wendy's and cookout, 919, I don't know if this is reckless speculation. Usually I don't want to read anything that might be misinformation, but I'm going to here because I want to bring it to the people so you can clarify this. Word on the street is the Wendy's at Midtown is going to be a cookout. This is from a 919 number. I don't know if that's true, but I repeat, word on the street is the Wendy's at Midtown is going to be a cookout. Has anybody else heard this? If so, can you please provide evidence on the text line at 704-570-9610? Wes, I would be a happy man if cookout was at Midtown in Charlotte. Well, I mean... I would. I don't I don't mind Wendy's, but cookout's a different animal. Well, the thing is, is that... Well, cookout, for one, is falling off to me because of the fries, but... When you talk about that that Wendy's, it's always busy. So I don't know why they would want to change it to something else. But I was going to say, like, in your instance, I'm like, Wendy, I mean, there's a cookout right around the corner. 
You're talking about a but are you road? excited about? No, no, no. I'm. You talking about the Wendy's in Midtown? that's off of um, Kenilworth and all that. Yeah, right. So I was saying for you, are you happy about that? Because maybe after work you can go. Because I was like, yes. there's a Wendy's right around the corner. After I mean, not work, a Wendy's, a cookout. I go to Midtown a decent amount. Go to Target. So okay. yeah, I like right. just being there. There are a lot of times where after you do a Target run, Wendy's is staring at you right in the face. And so I was like, all right, I'll just I'll just get a little four for four. You know, drive across, drive across the intersection. Can we all agree that a cookout tray is better than a Wendy's four for four deal? No, cookout's trash. Yeah, you always the think The fries that. are done. I mean, the rest of that food is is really good, but the fries are trash. Um, I, I thought you were going to say anything on, on Wendy's menu like a combo because, no, I, I like Wendy's burgers uh, more. <sighs> I'm surprised that I'm the only one standing for cookout here. But when they I, had I the like, old fries, it would have been more of a debate. But their fries are so bad now. All right, I, I'm going to call. Look, we got Hugo, Hurricane Hugo, writing in. He said he called someone who started and owns cookout. I don't know why I was trying to save the name, but then Aldum immediately. That sounded <laughs> kind of weird. But in, anyway, Hurricane Hugo says he has someone in the know that confirms, and he used to be a GM for cookout. So I mean, look. I don't want to spread misinformation, but that that might be true. And for me, I'd be excited, but I guess you guys aren't on the same page as me, which is fine. That's okay. All right, let's go to Fiddy's Visit to the Mound here on Wesson Walker. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Batter. It's going to be a short game, and i got to get home for lunch. The hot dog was as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt. You tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? You know, guys, the calendar turns to September on Friday, and that means two things. One, it's my birthday month. And two, <laughs> there's only one month left of full regular season baseball left in the year, so... Wes can get his number down to a respectable number when talking about how many games are left in the baseball season. Well, how many games are there, Wes? 211. Okay, so we're down. <laughs> we, we're on the home stretch, folks. Um, and after the way the Mets lost last night, I'm ready for them all to be over with. So, um, we'll start with just a wild story last night in Major League Baseball. Did you guys see what happened in the Braves and Rockies game where Ronald Acuna Jr. was... Out there in his in his place in the outfield, you know, not paying attention, not being dialed into what's going on. Wait, I'm sorry. Are oh. you it sounds like you're angling this to the point where you're going to blame <laughs> Ronald Acuna for the update you're about to provide. Go ahead and provide it and then text line destroy him. <laughs> where he was uh confronted by two fans. And there was one fan that was just, I think, trying to be a fan, was trying to do the selfie type of thing, which is, A, creepy, to, you know, somewhat kind of cool. Like, if you're going to, I mean, if you're just going to take the selfie, to me, I don't think you should be charged or whatever. But then you had another guy that I don't know what he was there for, but he wasn't there to get a selfie. Somehow, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, gets knocked to the ground. Uh, sources tell me that it was a flop like you see in the NBA uh, on, on a weeknight basis. Mm. But all around, just just a just a bizarre scene in Colorado. All the while, Acuna goes four for five with five RBIs. He hit his 29th home run 
He stole a 61st base, and the Braves won 14 to four over the lowly Rockies. Wow, sounds like he got a little angry and uh, took some payback out on the baseball. I'm just surprised at what I'm hearing from Fitty. Yeah, he's definitely taking swipes. Well, trying to make sense of it because you're set, you're you're trying to justify the fan that was taking a selfie. Well, I mean, like I'm- going out there on the field during the game. <laughs> Trying to get a selfie, you said, oh, that's okay. He should get tackled just like anybody (laughs) who runs out there onto the field in order to get anything they want from a player actually partaking in the action. And here you are saying that it's okay. You know, and see, this is the reason why, you you know, you got to be related to Rob Manfred because you don't want fun in baseball. (laughs) He's out there trying to take a selfie with maybe, I mean, like if Shohei wasn't doing what Shohei is doing. You could argue that Ronald Acuna Jr. is the best player in baseball. Would you not want to take a picture with that guy? You're saying that anybody can not jump on the off- field when he doesn't want me to. So, okay. No, <laughs> I, I think Fiddy is proposing an idea where maybe you have fans jump onto the field. Maybe you have somebody 50 feet away from the home run wall, and you say, hey, excuse me, are you taking a selfie or are you going to tackle someone? Oh, you're taking a selfie? Cool. Come on through. <laughs> and next up, there's a fan on the field. <laughs> But this is just the rules of baseball. I don't know why in the world. Fitty, it makes no sense. Here you are, only a Mets fan. Only a Mets fan would try to justify the behavior towards a Braves player. If y'all were to... If y'all were to go on the field to play, would you rather go on there trying to propose, trying to take a selfie, or run across a playing surface in the nude? Wes, you got to answer this one first. I want to see where you're going. I mean, I guess I would take the first one, a proposal. You ain't going, you ain't showing everybody the goods out there? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I think I'm with you. I think I'm keeping my goods to myself, yeah. to be honest with you. <laughs> What's next, Vinny? All right. So last week, man, we talked about Julio Rodriguez doing some historic type of things. Usually in baseball... The next week, you quit doing historic things. J-Rod has not. He's now on a career-best 13-game hitting streak as the Mariners, who are one game in front of the uh, the Let's Rangers go. and the Astros for first place in the American League West. They have won 12 of 13, and they have tied a franchise record for most wins in a month with 20. In their last 50 games uh, after last night, they were 36-14 and 14 in their last 50. Remember back in the beginning of the year when we adopted the Rays as our show team? It was uh-huh. a fun time. They started the season 35 and 15. So the Rays had that historic hot start 35 and 15. The Mariners have bettered it. And during this hitting streak, Rodriguez is batting 516. He's hit five home runs. He has six doubles, 21 RBIs, and he has five four hit games this month. The second most in a month since Ty Cobb recorded six four-hit games all the way back in 1901. Unbelievable. I'm going to ask Wes if he's going to get a Julio Rodriguez t-shirt because we need something a little more than let's go during visit to the mound. I had a chance, too, when I went to the Seattle game last summer. I could have gotten it, but uh, I passed up on it because I wanted some of the more nostalgic merchandise, but I think it may be in order. All right. I'm willing to get clowned here just to ask a question. Sometimes a stupid question needs to be asked just to be sure that it's stupid. So I'm going to be that for the people. My question is, if Julio Rodriguez does something similar this rest of the month, 
the final full month of the regular season. If he does something similar to what he's been doing, is there any chance that he can climb up with a Shohei Otani who's not pitching anymore in an AL MVP race? Or is that just a stupid question that I will gladly take to tomatoes thrown in my face? I think if he keeps going the way he's going, he might be able to at least uh, cut down the gap between them. But I think he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, they're going to the playoffs. The Angels aren't. The thing that makes Shohei so ridiculous is he leads the American League in like nine different offensive and pitching stats. So it's really hard to not justify him being the MVP. Um, although my dad believes he's not the best player in baseball, which is, is still it's still one of the dumbest takes. Who does he believe is the best? He and I, He's a Dodger fan, so there's bias. He thinks Freeman better. Like Mookie Betts, you could sell me. The guy's played four different positions for the Dodgers and has done so all at an all-star level, but... No, I mean, if, if if Rodriguez keeps doing this, I mean, he's already made them forgot about a Rod. I mean, I mean, there'll be a new uh, there'll be a new mayor in Seattle come October. His numbers are not crazy overall on the season. You would think after this nutso hot streak that they would be even crazier. But 350 on base percentage, only 286 batting average, 24 home runs. I would expect those stats to be a lot crazier mm-hmm. after this stretch. And so maybe the overall season for J Rod just is not going to be enough to compete with Shohei, despite Shohei not pitching the rest of. The the season. Fiddy, hit us with some more. All right. And then last night, you know, and I know the cycle isn't, it's not as impressive as a no-hitter, but we've kind of talked throughout this year where we've seen, hell, even a perfect game in a no-hitter, not getting the type of recognition that they still probably should. Last night, Jose Altuve hit for the cycle as the Astros walked all over the Red Sox at Fenway Park. He became the ninth Astro to do so. The Astros have thrown 16 no-hitters in their franchise's history. And they've had nine players record a cycle, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, He did the first time for Houston since 2013 when some guy named Brandon Barnes did so. That was Altuve's second year in the majors. He was batting second that afternoon. He doubled in the third, singled in the fifth, tripled in the sixth, and homered in the eighth. Where are we on Jose Altuve's reputation after his role in the scandal that led them to a World Series title a few years back? Because his numbers are ridiculous. He has an MVP award. Mm -hmm. He led the league four straight years in hits, all of which he went over 200 hits combined. Or I should say he went over 800 combined, 200 each of those seasons. And yet still, I think when you think about a three-time batting champ, his role in the Houston Astros World Series and the cheating and the banging and the sign stealing, that's what I think of first and foremost when I think about a player of his caliber that is Hall of Fame worthy here at 33 years old. Yeah, man, you know in baseball, especially when you get caught cheating, it's like a scarlet letter, man. But, uh, I mean, for me, I guess for more of a novice, I I don't necessarily think about it as much, but then once you bring it up, it does sound horrible. Where are you on Jose Altuve, Fiddy? I mean, I think recency bias, winning a championship last year with a guy as respected as Dusty Baker is as his manager, I think does help improve his reputation. Because, I I mean, you're talking about one of the all-time greats to ever do it, but there's going to be like an asterisk beside all of his accomplishments just because you don't know how long he was cheating. I mean, you still doubt now, or are they still cheating? Because that's the reputation that you have 
when you cheated for one World Series win and another one where you got beat. So it's unfortunate because he's a hell of a player. Oh, he's crazy. My question is, if we think steroids is cheating in baseball and that era with steroids does not allow Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, you get the picture because they're cheating. Yeah. But then this guy is stealing signs at an egregious level to the point where they win a championship in part because they were so good at hitting the baseball because of stealing. Then are we going to hold Jose Altuve in different regard because steroid has such more of a negative connotation attached to it and then allow him to get into the Hall of Fame despite investigated evidence of cheating? Yeah. This is going to be my question. Is Altuve an outright first ballot Hall of Famer because the numbers would suggest that he just might be when his career is over and done with? But, man, if you try to separate this from the steroid scandal that kept so many other right. players, yeah. might I add, mm-hmm. that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for everybody else to swallow that is pro steroid players getting in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, there's a 704 number saying that the sign ceiling's overblown because stealing signs has always been a part of baseball, but not using electronic devices in the outfield. The guy is holding <laughs> his jersey tightly <laughs> close to his chest. No, don't take off the jersey. I'm cheating under here. When we're celebrating at home plate because I hit a walk-off, no, don't take off my jersey. Remember, we have something... That is going to be uh, showcasing us cheating big time. So please do not take like an undercover cop, huh? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Good baseball conversation. Visit the mound. We'll end it there. We'll talk a little more about Panther Cut Day on the other side of the break. But all that comes secondary to another Fitty segment, the last flash of the day. Go ahead and flash this, Fitty, unless you have an electronic device under your shirt. He does it. He showed me. All right, guys. Well, we talked back in the campus corner about how Alabama refusing to reveal a depth chart. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be in Tuscaloosa. We have one in Columbus as earlier today. Ryan Day announced that Kyle McCord will start their season opener against Indiana. But the number two quarterback, Devin Brown, We'll get some reps on Saturday as well, assuming that the game does allow him to see uh, see the field. And so we, we got an answer at Georgia. Carson Beck's going to be their quarterback. We got an answer at Ohio State. Kyle McCord's going to be their guy. We got to figure out to figure out who Alabama is. I feel like once we figure out who the, the Crimson Tides quarterback is going to be, I think it'll be Jalen Milrow. I think it'll, it'll be a lot easier to, to see if Alabama returns to the playoff or not. Yeah, I think the same thing. It's going to be Milrow at Alabama, but I think Alabama is going to end up going through uh, each of their quarterbacks before the season is said and done. All right, Wes, final question before we get to the last segment. What of the, Which one of those college football powerhouses has the cleanest transition to their next starter? Is it going to be Georgia because Beck has always been the guy? Is it going to be Alabama because they've earned the benefit of the doubt? Or Ohio State because Ryan Day is an offensive match? Man, it's interesting because Beck, they said George Pickens chose him personally to throw to him during his pro day, and scouts have been on him since then. But I'm going to go with Ohio State with that receiving core. I mean, if you can't get in there and do damage with the receivers that they've got, then, uh, yeah, you're in the wrong business. All right, so it is written, so it is done from West Bryant, Ohio State. Has the best QB transition from a guy going to the NFL. It's the walk-off coming up next on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Check us out on our socials at Wesson Walker at West Bryant underscore 72. Just posed the question of the day. What's the best hangover food? We've been talking about it the last hour and a half or so. The craziest fast food inventions, but it really more so changed into the best hangover food. I think I settled on a cookout tray because I saw somebody put on the text line that ice cream is a bad way to go when you're hungover. But I like the coolness, especially a milkshake because you get a little hot You need something to brace you a little bit. So I like cookout, especially with a big double burger tray. Like, it's greasy, but it's not so greasy that it sits on your stomach. Yeah, cookout is too greasy. No, it's not awful. I like the hush puppies. And the quesadilla for me, too, especially with that. Do you go quesadilla sauce, or do you just say no? I've never gotten a quesadilla from cookout. Really? Yeah, I go burger, fries, uh, hush puppies. I'm telling you, you need to go ahead and try. Or the 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 chicken wrap they have, that crispy chicken wrap they have is pretty good. The Cajun chicken wrap, that's what I get. They yep. need to make a tray for the chicken wrap. I've never understood that. Oh, you can just you get it as a side. You can no, just, yeah. give me the chicken wrap tray, damn it. Well, you can do that. Hey, right. you can go yell. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and say I want to. Cajun grilled chicken is good too. It is very good. I so my go-to is a Cajun chicken tray. With seasoned fries and a chicken quesadilla. And then I'll get a milkshake. And if I'm feeling really froggy, I'm going to go ahead and throw a Cajun chicken wrap on side. Don't know if you know, I like chicken a little bit. It's pretty good. (laughs) So that's what I roll with. But the big double burger tray, that's what I used to roll with. Yeah, that's what I get. Very good. That's the starter. That's the foundation. Did you guys ever go Coke float at all if you're not feeling a milkshake? No. No. It's a cheaper option, but still very good. I love cookout so much. I hope it replaces everything <laughs> in the world, to be honest with you. Uh, we can roll in Wolfpack Bill, Bojangles, Cajun Chicken with egg and cheese. Lots of people oh. love egg on the hangover food. They want to see. Yeah, they say that helps a lot. It's what they say. Uh, 704 said top ramen. Get that sodium back in you. See, some people were That's going. much sodium in me. Some Vietnamese pho, which is, I learned how to pronounce that. Oh, it's long, pho, not pho. I thought it was pho for a long time. It's actually pho. I learned that like five years ago. You thought it was pho, pho show. <laughs> I knew <laughs> something. So I knew weak. a dad joke of some type was coming. <laughs> Get that one out. <laughs> you, uh, usually, usually you do a pretty good job of executing the dismount, but there you were. You like that one a lot. I love it. Uh, Eric from Albemarle, Waffle House all day. The text, yeah, I've heard eggs are really good for hangovers. 
the Texas cheesesteak melt or that bowl with the Casa de Waffle salsa? Okay. I never heard of that. I haven't either. It must be somewhere out in Arizona somewhere or something. Who is going to Waffle House and not getting the All-Star special? Right. Did he put his head in his hands? He was so distraught at that statement. I mean, like, if you're feeling, you know, I I did a construction job down in Florida that had a Waffle House in the same parking lot as a hotel. So that can tell you what type of hotel I was staying in. I ate Waffle House in a month's time. I ate it 25 times. So you would, you would, <laughs> so you <know>. much. <laughs> like, you know, so if you want to get the steak and egg breakfast or maybe the pork chop and eggs, like I'm with you, but I'm not going to the Waffle House and getting a melt. I, I would do it. Okay. But I'm usually all-star special guy and I'll, and I'll juice it up a little bit with the chocolate chip waffles. How do you get your hash browns? Um, I forget smothered. I, I go cheese for sure. I go, I think, don't you have some ham in there? What is that? Do we know what that is? Maybe I'm tripping. You're getting like Southwest style. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm going Southwest style. Uh, We're scrolling. We're scrolling. Uh, Delvis the Rock is with me. I'm with you, Walker. I'm about that cookout life as well. 704. Okay. This is a good one. Okay. Liver mush, egg, and cheese on toast. That sounds like a cure for a hangover. They put mayo and mustard on it. 704, you get rid of the mustard, and I'm 100% with you every step of the way. Get rid of the mayo and the mustard. Well, I feel you, but liver mush, egg, and cheese, I think that's the way to go for the best hangover cure by far. Bagel guy asked a good question as well. Did no one say a Bloody Mary? Yeah, Bloody Mary helps me too. That goes with the whole alcohol thing, right? Like, I I understand that, but yes... I do think that's a good one. How about CJ Charlotte? Water is the best remedy for a hangover. It puts oxygen back into you when the alcohol takes it out. Yeah, uh, I guess water is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we I definitely try that. that. That's one of my <laughs> ways to beat the hangover the night before as I'm drinking. I definitely do that more now than ever. I, it's so I'm easy sure to I'm do. Getting the water down. I know. It's so easy to do, and yet I, it just escapes me sometimes. Make sure that urine is clear before bed. All right. There you go. Wes giving you some urine analysis. Let's yeah. go to some Carolina Panthers <laughs> roster cut news. Uh, we actually have some practice news. Some good news in the wide receiver room, Wes. Okay. TMJ dressed for practice today. So okay. that's that's big time, considering we thought he might be out for week one when there was a back issue. We were all a little worried about him missing significant time alongside DJ Chark. TMJ, the back issue, he at least dressed today. And LaVisca Chenault, he was in a red jersey as he continues to go through concussion protocol. So some good news there as well. Wide receiver room. Starting to get a little healthier, which is great news. Even they need if, it. Even if DJ Chark isn't ready, they can get by. Maybe with some of these other moves they might be making outside of cut day. We know they traded for an ISM, Amir. I forget the last name already, but we just call him ISM because we can go ahead and give somebody the abbreviation of the initials. Um, Amir Smith-Marset. Excuse me, Amir Smith-Marset. So they trade with Kansas City for the second leading receiver this preseason. How do you feel about the wide receiver depth now if Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Chenault are ready to go week one. Well, it's certainly going to help. It can't hurt. I mean, at this point, you need all the bodies you can get out there, especially bodies that can make plays. We know that they want to take LaVisca and have a Debo Samuels-type role for him, so he'll be involved in some of the more uh, the, the wrinkles that they mm-hmm. will like to present to defenses. And then TMJ, everybody's ready to see, is this the year he's going to break out? Um, I, I like to, when you bring in Amir Smith-Marset, it feels like this is more of a trade 
for a potential injury to DJ Chark the first couple of weeks because I think he's the deep threat here. I think this is someone that can be an explosive wide receiver where everybody else, he's different and he's going to be a possible return guy. So if Shai Smith, who did some return work for you, Rasheem Blackshear, who's someone that you're not talking about returning maybe as much if you have Smith-Marset on your team. Mm -hmm. So I like that he can help you in a couple of different ways, be explosive. If DJ Chark was the deep threat, you don't expect him to be ready to go week one or two. You replace him in the lineup, and then Terrace Marshall Jr., LaVisca Chenault, gadget guy, they're coming back. So at least, even if he's not Chark, at least you have somebody to replace a facet of the game that you don't have in week one and two. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll see if he can capitalize on his uh, preseason success, man. Who knows? The Panthers might have found themselves a gym. That would be a lot of fun to see. We'll see what Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers are able to do. Also, Kyle Bailey, he'll take you the rest of the way with the final cut day, 4 p.m. deadline. So one more hour to go before you have your uh, 53-man roster finalized and then we'll see what Scott Fitterer does after the fact. Hang out in the clubhouse. Coming up next, Kyle Bailey alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.